Welcome to the four-part teaching series, Fivefold Ministry Explained, featuring DeMonte Edmonds. In this series, you'll get an overview of the fivefold ministry and their gifts and function in the body of Christ. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on? Happy Monday, everybody. This is part three of four of our Fivefold Ministry Explained, featuring DeMonte Edmonds series. This has been really educational and very necessary, um, especially as God is doing what he's doing. He's pouring out his spirit, unifying the body of Christ. It's important to know what all folds of the fivefold ministry are. So we've covered um, we've covered the apostle. We've covered the prophet. And today we're going to be covering the evangelist. All right, let's get into this part three. I almost said final. Next week is the final episode. It, you know, it's been a crazy couple of weeks, you guys. Um, but my guest today, he's an author, he's a speaker, he's the founder of Freedom for the Nations. Let's give it up for my guest today, Apostle DeMonte Edmonds. DeMonte, welcome back. Thank you, Jeff. Good to be back with you. Yeah, part three of four, man. We are cruising. So today, we're going to talk about the evangelist, okay? Yeah. So I'm going to let you just go for it, all right? And then we'll just do yes, what we do. Okay. So in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, you know, it talks about that Christ first uh, descended before he ascended. And when he ascended, he gave gifts to men. And these gifts that he gave to men are enumerated and mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4. We know that the Holy Spirit gives gifts, which are called the gifts of the Spirit, which are given to individuals. And there's nine gifts that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But in Ephesians 4, these gifts are actual people. They're, they're people that are graced with special abilities, special anointings, special callings, special talents, and therefore uh, the gospel to go forth, therefore the kingdom to advance, therefore the kingdom of God to be built, and therefore the betterment of mankind. And so these four, these five gifts are enumerated here in Ephesians chapter 4. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. And the scripture actually says he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. So the first thing that I want to establish is not everyone is one of these. And not everyone is all of these. And not mm -hmm. everyone has to worry about being called to these. God will make the calling known. He will make the election known and he will make it known if he's called you to one of these offices but if he hasn't still it's very important to understand these different ministry gifts or offices and their assignment and their function because us as the body of christ we have to learn to work together we have to learn to be synchronized together mm -hmm. and you know i believe that when we understand each person's role each person's identity each person's grace each person's functions we get something called synergy Synergy is, you know, in regular terms, two plus two equals four. But when there's synergy, two plus two equals seven or eight. And so it's when every part of the body of Christ is in its proper position, we can maximize our potential as a community of believers. So today I want to talk about the third ministry gift or what's called fivefold gift because there are five of them. Or sometimes you hear them referred to as the ascension gifts. They're referred to as the ascension gifts because the previous verse says that when Christ ascended, he led mm -hmm. captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. And so as he ascended, these gifts were given to mankind. So we talked about the apostle and prophet in the previous episodes. Uh, but today we're going to talk about the evangelist. And, you know, I want to tell you this. I love this ministry office. I love this ministry gifting. I'm not an evangelist, but I do evangelism. So mm -hmm. I want to lay this foundation, even if you're not called as an evangelist, if you're called as apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, um, intercessor, uh, catcher at the altar, it doesn't matter what you're called as, you know, we're all as believers should be engaged in evangelism in some shape, in some form. And so the first thing I want to say about this gifting is it comes from the word evangelistos, or you also see in Greek, evangelion. It is a bringer of good news. 
It is a bringer of the gospel. It is a messenger of the gospel. You know, all of the ministry gifts should be able to share the gospel, should be able to share the word of God, should be able to teach the word of God. But this one specific ministry function is especially gifted with sharing the gospel with unbelievers, with those that have not named the name of Christ. You know, when I compare this gifting to some of the other ministry gifts, you know, I know many teachers in the body of Christ, but many of them primarily teach the believers. They primarily teach people that already have been saved and received the Lord as Jesus Christ. Their primary audience is the believers, to build believers up, to teach them the word, to give them understanding of the word. There are times that they teach the word and people that's unsaved or people that haven't named the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord sit under their teaching and the teaching convicts them and deals with their heart and they come into the kingdom and they receive the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's not their primary focus. You know, most prophets I know, probably 80%, are primarily focused with strengthening the body of Christ, building up the body of Christ, prophesying direction that's going to give insight to the body of Christ. And then there's times that they minister to those that are unsaved. But the evangelist is a special tool in God's tool shed, a special axe <laughs> to cut through unbelief, to cut through doubt, to cut through false doctrine and, and, and bad teaching and, and either... Uh, other religions that could be false religions to cut through all of that and penetrate the hearts and minds of people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me say this as well. When we heard the word gospel, sometimes we use words in Christendom because it's always been used that way. And we never think about what, what is the gospel? I mean, we know the gospel is the four books of the Bible, which I, I will talk about. But God spell, God spell. When you go into old English, God means good, 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 G-O-O-D. Spell means story or message or tale. And so, you know, to say that you were under the spell of someone meant, meant that you were under their story, under their spell, under, mm -hmm. under what they were telling you, under the message that they were relating to you. So God's spell means a good story, a good message, a good tale. And you know what's a good story? The story of Jesus Christ. The Amen. story of how God divinely determined that salvation should come to mankind through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. How Jesus Christ was born of a virgin and how he lived his life on earth and he was the perfect uh, uh he was the perfect son of god of course but he was the perfect man he didn't sin he didn't know sin and he made himself a sacrifice for our sin and by his sacrifice and by his blood we can all receive forgiveness we can all receive cleansing we can all receive healing and when he hung on that cross you know something amazing took place that he lived a life of total obedience and through him we can be reconciled to the father and receive a special place as sons and daughters of God. That is a good, look, that is a great story. You know, Marvel, well, I won't talk about Marvel, but anyway, DC and Marvel, they do a pretty decent job, good job, I'm gonna say they do a good job, with their sentence, you know, their storytelling, but this is the best story. This is the greatest story ever told. I believe mm -hmm. there was a movie called The Greatest Story Ever, and it talks about Jesus Christ. So this is what evangelists engage in. There's especially, graced with telling the story of Jesus Christ and how he brings salvation to mankind, how Father God brings salvation to mankind. And, you know, there have been evangelists that were so good and so anointed that even though I was saved at four years old and received the Lord at four years old, that even after being a pastor or a preacher, when you sit under their teachings and their messages, it's so convicting and so passionate that you want to get saved all over again. <laughs> and that's that's one of the graces that a real evangelist carries. It's like a, a person, and I'm going to get into the teaching ministry uh, next week, 
but a person that's a good teacher. They can teach a subject that you've heard your whole life, you've known your whole life, or you thought you heard, and they teach it in a way that you're like, wow, this is good. This is new. Mm -hmm. This is, wow, mm -hmm. mind-blowing. So the evangelist carries the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Mm. You know, evangelists, they may teach in, about other areas. You know, they may teach about Israel. They may teach about genealogy. They may teach about end times. Different evangelists have different assignments, but primarily they're concerned with getting people saved. Yeah. Primarily they're concerned with people understanding that Jesus Christ died for their sins. And primarily they want to go out to the lost and win them into the kingdom of God. Mm. So let me say this. <laughs> Many times evangelists become stifled, put, placed in a box or hindered because they may belong to a church or ministry where the evangelist ministry is not really appreciated or understood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Evangelists thrive better outside of the four walls of the church. If you put in a place an evangelist in the church and keep them in a church, and never allow them to go outside the four walls of the church to do what they're called to do. They're going to get frustrated and they're going to be antsy. Mm -hmm. And so we have to understand that, yes, the pastors and teachers may primarily operate within the church, but the evangelists, they're to be a part of the church. They're to flow with the community of the church, but their assignment is to go out and win souls to come back into the fold of God and to come back into the Christian community. Yeah. And I've seen churches that had three or four powerful evangelists and they didn't know how to activate them and release them to be a benefit to the kingdom. Because ultimately what would happen if, the, if you let the evangelists loose and the timing of God and in the way of God, they will help the churches grow. You know, I've seen churches come up with all of these church, church growth programs. And I'm like, your church growth program is right there on the front row, sitting. You need to let them loose. Let them do what they're called to do. Win souls, bring people into the kingdom. And then the teachers and pastors are there to help disciple them, as well as all the ministry gifts, to equip them to clean the fish. And so it's this old saying that the, the, uh, uh, the evangelists, they catch the fish. The pastors clean the fish. Now, I've done both fishing. Caught a few fish, a few. <laughs> Cleaned a few fish. I really think cleaning them is a lot more work. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, it's less fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's less fun. But, you know, sometimes you have a big fish or a fish that's aggressive. They're fighting. And I've seen it where someone's trying to reel a fish in and they don't know really the tactic to reel them in. They have to hand their rod to somebody else that's more skilled in fishing. Many of us need to hand the rod over to the evangelist. Hmm. That there are people that we've been praying for. We've been telling about God. We've been telling about the Bible. We've been trying to will them to Jesus. And it feels like we're not progressing. Find you a good evangelist and sick the evangelist on them. Set up a meeting for them and have coffee with the evangelists, <laughs> and they can get a they can get results in ten minutes that sometimes may take you a year mm -hmm. because they're graced and gifted to share the good news with people. Yeah, I think that's really important too, Demonte, because it's. I think sometimes we can get intimidated, or maybe you're in a position where you're like, "Well, I should be able to lead this person to the Lord," uh, and be that as it may. Um, there is that grace that you're talking about on someone who's operating in that function. I mean, like that's their thing. That's their calling is to be in that evangelism spot. I also feel like there is an excuse that a lot of Christians have where they go, I'm not an evangelist, so I'm not going to evangelize to people. <laughs> and I yes. feel like that's like a cop out because, and I've done it. Like, I feel like it's a cop out because it's just, uh, it's denying what we're all supposed to do. So. I, I agree. And I, I think sometimes we put ourselves in a box, you know, mm -hmm. even especially prophets. Sometimes prophets feel like, well, I'm prophesying, so 
that's what I'm supposed to do. But mm -hmm. you need to win some souls as well as God leads. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not that we're trying to, it needs to be organic. It needs to be spirit led and spirit breathed into. Not like we wake up and say, you know what? This year I'm going to win six souls. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it just needs to be led by the spirit of God. Mm -hmm. uh, but now the evangelists, Many of them are like that. This week, I want five souls. You know, they're, they're, that's how they're, they're graced. That's how they're gifted. And I would like to say this. When I ask people to talk about the office of the evangelist, the ministry of the evangelist, and, and to describe it and say what they feel comes with it and what's part of the function, they do talk about winning souls and sharing the gospel. But, you know, they leave a big part out. And this part is equally important for us to understand. Maybe even more important for us to understand. Ephesians 4.11 talks about there's God gave some apostles, some prophets, some teach, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. And it says for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the equipping of this. It goes and tells all these things to bring us into maturity. That word maturity is teleosos, to bring us into a measure of the stature of, of Christ. You know, it's a big part of the evangelist ministry is to equip the other giftings in the body of Christ as a whole for evangelism. So if we're going to really utilize and understand evangelist role, it's not just for them to go out and win souls. They're to get us fired up and to give us strategies and tools and methods to better win souls for the kingdom. And so what happens, sometimes we release the evangelist to go out, you know, we're going to we're going to give you this stipend and you go out into Africa, you win souls, you go out into Asia, you win souls or you go out into the homeless areas or, or the rough areas, you win the souls. And if if they're willing to come and join our church or join this church, you know, they can come back and we'll disciple them. But what about having evangelists come in and train and equip people? This is how you guys can do it. This is how your church can be involved in evangelism. This is how your church can be involved in outreach. And so I think that's a major dynamic of the evangelist role is to bring us into the unity of the faith mm -hmm. for all of us to be have the confidence, the skill, and a grace to win souls. Mm -hmm. Maybe not at the level that an evangelist is doing it. It's like if Mike Tyson was, you know, <laughs> Mike Tyson was world champion. He knocked a lot of people out. He was the champion when I grew up. You're, you're, I believe you're, you're younger than me, Jeff. So I don't just know. Just by a couple of years, but yeah, no, I remember, yeah. and I remember the Holyfield fight. <laughs> yes, yes, before the infamous Holyfield fight. Yeah, yeah. He didn't have to bite ears when I grew up. He just punched you in the face, mm -hmm. and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> but if I was to train with Mike, especially during his heyday. I would become a better boxer. Mm -hmm. I probably could knock a few people out, but I wouldn't be world champion. I'm, I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't be, I wouldn't even be, you know, state champion, but I would be a better boxer. So it's like that. I believe the evangelists that we maybe won't be like an evangelist, you know, doing all that they do, but we would come up into a higher level. And I believe that we've minimized their ministry in this hour and we mm -hmm. need to maximize the potential of that ministry. Amen. And especially with the gross darkness that's covering the earth and the, the iniquity that's covering that people need to hear about Jesus. I was just talking to a pastor in Houston. She messaged me that she began to tell a man about Jesus. And he said, Who, who's Jesus? And she began to tell him the gospel. He never heard the gospel. A full adult, full man. He didn't even know who Whoa. Jesus was. Pastor Mary Kemp out in Houston. She was texting me this and she began to minister to him. And so we, because we've known the gospel and it's part of our life and part of who we are, uh -huh. sometimes we take for granted that there's people that don't know the story of Jesus. They don't know the story of salvation. They don't know the story of the good news. We yeah. take it for granted often. I know I've taken it for granted. You know, some people know yeah. the name Jesus and that he's, you know, God or son of God, but they don't really know the gospel message. Mm -hmm. And so we need evangelists to stir us up, keep us on fire and ignite that passion. Yeah. To share the good news with people. Yeah. Well, and I think even that the role of an evangelist is like, for me, it's always been such a great reminder uh, to see this kind of reckless abandon that they have of like, 
my my reputation be damned people are going to know about jesus you know yes. and and realizing i'm like whoa he's he's worth it like to see the public humiliation that that an evangelist might experience and they just aren't faced by it because they want people to know him and i'm like to to forsake your reputation like that should be convicting to all of us. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. When you look at like, when you really look at an evangelist and you go, whoa, like, like, and then you see the fruit of their ministry and then you're like, he is worthy. He is worth, he is worth laying down my reputation. And sometimes you don't always have that. I mean, maybe like I would say, I could think like a prophet might get that kind of ostracized from, you know, circles yeah. as well. Um, oh, he knows things. I don't want him to come near me because I'm in sin, you know, or like whatever. Uh, but I, that's one thing I've always really appreciated about the evangelist is letting that conviction just kind of sit there within me too, instead of trying to run away from it. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, they're like bulldogs. They're yeah. like, on winning souls, they're like at the the the, the tip of the spear. Yeah, and they man. they'd only become not only they can be aggressive, but they're very intentional, and they they become that reckless, like you said, that reckless abandonment. You know, I think about this story that there were two mission. You know, sometimes we call missionaries, many missionaries. When I said missionaries, I don't mean people that just went on a mission trip. I mean missionary work is their life, mm-hmm. or at least their life for seasons. Many of them are really evangelists. Mm-hmm. And I remember the story of it was a man and woman. They went on to this uh, somewhere in Africa, Central Africa. And people were intimidated at this certain village because they had this big witch doctor. It was supposed to be somebody powerful and big and all this. And so the witch doctor began to do all this dancing and, you know, ceremonial stuff. And one of the evangelists, the missionaries, when the witch doctor walked into their face to intimidate them, just took a banana out of her. She was eating a banana. She just stuck it right in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> he began to choke and almost die from the banana. And the king fell out laughing. And the king laughed so hard that the king said, you know what? I, I want to hear everything that you came here to share with us. Wow. But the bonus to take a banana and just stick it in the wizard's mouth. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And, you know what? And, and most of, and most of the people in the village they were saved. Wow! And, so, and and you hear about these people that went into the backwoods and jungles, and I mean, they really they went places just four or five of them with really no support, and whole towns and villages were saved. You know that takes a lot of calling. You know, one thing that I think real evangelists have is fire. I don't think you can really be a real evangelist without fire. God gives them a special fire for soul winners that just ignites them and gives them this passion. And um, I'm thinking as well, these are some of the, the tools that evangelists have. So I'm going to tell you that I'm by nature more of an introvert. And I think more prophetic people a lot of times are more introverted. Hmm. And many of the strong prophetic people are very introverted because you know, God just made us that way that we pull apart and that's how we hear and receive and all those things. Yeah. That's so point. for me, even though I'm an apostle, I was a prophet first, I'm going to be honest. If I'm going to call an evangelist, I have to brace myself because I know they have this special <laughs> gifting called the gift of gab. Yeah. <laughs> and many times when I call my friends, my beloveds, my co-laborers in ministry that are evangelists, they can go. And, and, you know, I don't want to be rude, but sometimes I have to tell them, please slow down, stop, just <laughs> hold on, let's go back. Because they have something called the gift of gab. I'm going to tell you that some of the greatest evangelists right now are talk show hosts. Interesting. They're really supposed to be evangelists for the kingdom. They're, you, wow. they're, they don't know it yet. They're talk show hosts. They're social media influencers. They're bloggers, bloggers. And car salesmen. Okay. <laughs> These people that's, you know, you see some people in multiple level marketing. 
or you see them and and you know they're like these gurus in real estate or whatever and they can say they'll come and buy my program and i'm going to tell you this is going to change your life just come to orlando for three days and yeah. <laughs> many of them they're doing great in their business and you can get into the same business as them and you're going to make no money because god gave them the gift of gab and they're using it they're just not using it to win souls yet hmm. and i've seen some of these powerful motivational people that could build businesses talk all of these things and i'm like that person is an evangelist they just don't know it so an evangelist because the gifts and callings come without repentance mm -hmm. you know many prophets that have not been saved that need to be delivered and saved or saved and delivered i don't care which order as long as it gets done you know they may be working at psychics right now somewhere in sunset strip but they're really called by God to be prophets of God. Mm. You know, they just, they're over the kingdom of dark darkness has access to them because they're not, they haven't given their life to Jesus. Mm. So they're working as a psychic or something. And, you know, so those gifts and callings come without repentance, but the gift of gap, that is one of the tools and gifts that God give many evangelists is that they can talk your ear off. They can talk, your, they can convince you to do something you don't want to do sometimes because they will wear you out verbally. And I'm just being honest. <laughs> I study all of these gifts in depth. I used to make lists of different ministry gifts and compare what they had in common. And I saw that many ministry, many evangelists are the people that know how to nag you. And it's a gift, <laughs> but they need to use it for Jesus. So yes. um, anywho, they have the gift of gab. Another thing that the evangelists have is the anointing to preach. Okay. So I know several apostles, they're not really preachers. They share a message, they communicate, they teach. I know teachers, they just teach. They don't do any preaching. Preaching is to proclaim the good news. So it's one thing if I teach you, it's another thing if I proclaim it. It's two different dimensions, two different anointings, two different giftings. The teaching is normally more scripture, more understanding, and more slower pace. Like now that I'm teaching. Preaching is normally a little harder, a little bit more aggressive, more surface far as you're not trying to go into seven or eight or nine scriptures. You're trying to get a message across. All evangelists that I have met are preachers. They have a preaching anointing like mm -hmm. none other. So if you're a prophet or teacher, you try to get up and preach like an evangelist, you may be out of breath within 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you give an evangelist the microphone, they can go. Mm -hmm. They don't have to study. They need to study. Of course, everybody needs to study. Yeah. But I've seen them grab the microphone and it's just natural. That fire. Off God the cuff. Them. Yeah, just straight off, off the cuff. The yeah, you give some yeah. of us the microphone. We're like, God, what do I say? God, talk to me. Holy Ghost, I need. We're praying and talk. We're trying to get yeah. your revelation. We're trying to open up our yeah. mouth. No, you give it to them. They can rip. They can go. And that's why, not so much now, but back when you go into the early 90s, 80s, 70s, 60s, especially the 50s and 40s, evangelists used to come to town and hold one week, two week, three week revival meetings, tent revival meetings. They would come to town three weeks, two weeks, preach every day. Wow. And hundreds of people would get added to the church. You know, one of my friends, he had a church in Coney Island that grew to about 600 people. I asked him, how did that happen? Because he, he said he had a church about 35 people. And there was an evangelist. He was, a, he was an apostle too, but he was an evangelist. That was his main calling. R.W. Schumbach came up to Brooklyn, came up to New York, said he was going to be there for two weeks doing tent meetings. He needed churches to work with him. And, and he said, you know, when these, these churches helped him with the event, helped him pull it off, helped him with the tent meetings. And then he gave his mailing list from the people that got saved to, to the churches that helped him. This pastor went out and worked the mailing list, prayed for the people, contacted people, invited them to his church. His church grew within months to 600 people because an evangelist came to town and won a ton of souls in two weeks. It probably wow. would have took him two, three, four years to do that on his own. Yeah, no kidding. And so when the evangelists are in place, it helps the church to grow. It helps the 
community of Christ to grow. It helps the body to grow. And we used to see that where evangelists would come into town and stay there for two weeks, three weeks, a month, and souls would be saved and come into the kingdom and churches would be full of new converts because of the work of evangelism. Let me jump into the Bible. Philip, who was a deacon, he got elevated or called to the evangelist ministry. We know that he's an evangelist because in the book of Acts, it later calls him Philip the evangelist. That's and right. it said he had three virgin daughters who did prophesy. So, um, <laughs> anyway, I was about to say, if you were up to no good, you didn't want to go to his house to try to date his daughters. First of all, Philip was, you know, being teleported places. He could follow you on a date. Yeah, <laughs> and tell you everything that you were doing wrong. It's just yep. probably not the place you want to go if you're a young guy and you're trying to do some yeah. bad things. But anyway, he's called Philip the Evangelist. But in Acts, we see he went down to Samaria. Samaria was known for idolatry. Samaria was known for false doctrine. And Samaria was known for having the high places where people worshiped in idolatry. Hmm. and sometimes witchcraft so idolatry and witchcraft go together so he went into this stronghold of idolatry and it said what did he do it specifically said he preached christ to them it didn't say that he went there teaching he didn't go there and hold bible studies he didn't go there and break down you know homiletics hermeneutics the didactics and, and time. he went and preached the Bible is very specific because it's inspired by the Holy Spirit who's very intentional and very specific. It could have just said that Philip went down to Samaria and people got saved and people, no, it said he preached. That's that preaching anointing that I talked about that evangelists had to proclaim the gospel. You know, one evangelist went into a part of Asia and in this meeting, he was getting no results. And we'll come back to Philip. And he said, God, I'm teaching your word. I'm sharing your word. What's the problem? And God spoke this to him. I didn't tell you to teach. I told you to proclaim my word and I will back it. <laughs> so he preached. And what did he preach? He preached the message of Christ. He preached the good news. He preached the gospel. He preached the message of salvation. And it said many gave heed to him. Hearing. The message that he had, but also seeing the healings and miracles. So that brings me to the next grace or gifting that evangelists have. Many evangelists are called to the ministry of miracles and healings hmm. because yeah. they have to give proof to the message. Yeah, They have to give evidence to the message, especially if you're called to foreign nations where people, you know, Remember the great T.L. Osborne? He was in India. He was a missionary for his organization. And he had a nervous breakdown because he was there for a year. You know, he didn't get anyone saved. And his organization asked him, why didn't you get anyone saved? He said, well, I would go and tell them about God. I would, they would say, we have a God. I would go and tell them about the Holy Spirit. They'll say, we have a lot of spirits. I would go and open up the Bible and tell them about the Bible. They said, well, why should we believe your book? We have a book too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then when he learned that he had to preach the gospel with miracles, signs, and wonders, when he went back, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions were added to the kingdom. Wow. Yeah. So it says of Philip that they gave heed to the message because he didn't just have a, a, a verbal message. He had signs to back it, to give proof to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And specifically within his ministry, he had these. It said that many that were lame and paralyzed were healed. And demonic spirits crying with loud voices came out of people. So evangelists often have a deliverance ministry as well. That is another gifting and grace that God gives them. It's a healing ministry and, and a deliverance ministry. When I look at Benny Hinn, Benny Hinn has a powerful healing ministry. He's an evangelist. And God has gifted him with a powerful deliverance ministry. 
You know, he's and so another thing about evangelists is they're mobile. They're very mobile. They don't like to stay in one place and be pegged down. Maybe they're called to a city, but in that city, they like to move around. They're very mm -hmm. mobile. After the revival broke out in Samaria, you know what happened? Philip understood his gifting. He could preach. He could do healings. But he said, I need some people that can come in and teach and get people filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me call for the apostles. He called for Peter and John. They came up. People got filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, under his ministry, I'm not saying he couldn't do it, but he knew that that wasn't really his grace. There's people that they have a special grace to get people filled with the Holy Spirit. They can do it. I was I mean, just going to ask that. Yeah. Yes. And I think about Howard Cotter. He said he was a great uh, a superintendent for the uh, Assemblies of God for Britain. He was a mentor for Lester Summerall. He traveled to many nations. And he said this. He said that he could get people healed. No, sorry. He could get people filled with the Holy Spirit. Easy. Minutes. His wife could get people healed. So mm -hmm. if you came to them and you wanted prayer for healing, you go to his wife. If you want to get filled with the Holy Spirit, you go to him. There are people. You know, I know a, a, an apostle now named Will Thornton up in Michigan. Getting people filled with the Holy Spirit, I just see it all over. He, he can do it. Just supernatural. That's the grace that God's given him. So Philip knew, I don't want to say his limitations, but he understood his grace and he knew when to call for help because now that he's won the souls, let them come in and teach, let them come in and organize, let them come in and plan a church, whatever they're going to do as apostles. And you know what? He left the town. He was taken away mm -hmm. or he, he, he was told to leave and go somewhere else. And then he got the, the eunuch saved. Mm -hmm. And then he was transported. God probably had a pastor or somebody that was going to meet the eunuch later. So they're very mobile giftings. That's a grace from God to be mobile. A pastor, they want to be with their sheep. They want to protect their sheep. They want to teach their sheep. They may be mobile. They may travel. But a real pastor normally likes to be at the place called home. So those are some of the giftings of the evangelist. Deliverance. Mm -hmm healing, preaching, gift of gab, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. But also I want to add this one. Typically they have a strong word of knowledge. Ministry. Not always, but oftentimes. You know, I went to her Jesse DePlanis. Jesse DePlanis is an evangelist. He has a church somewhere in New Orleans, but he doesn't pastor it. He has pastors there. He travels all the time. And I was sitting on the road. He calls out this word for this lady, a word of knowledge. The lady almost knocks me. The lady's like 400 pounds. Jeff. What? Almost knocks me off the seat to get past me. Ooh. And I was like, wow, you know, I appreciate his word of knowledge, but it was so sharp. He almost got me hurt. And I just remember that laughing that, you know, on TV, you don't see him flow like that. But in meetings, he's sharp. He's sharp. Yeah. And the lady almost knocked me out. She almost hit three people, knocked me over. Because she responded to the word of knowledge. Wow. And, and so I feel like you. I want to let you jump in because I feel like you have something good. But I want to say this real quick, that there is a difference. But let me just pull this up. Make sure yeah. Okay. So sometimes I want to say the challenge is that because the evangelists do operate sometimes in prophecy and the word of knowledge, to convince people of the gospel in the message, sometimes they can be confused as prophets. Okay. Because I've seen evangelists that their word of knowledge was very strong. They even had a gift of prophecy. But it comes down to the function more than the gifting when you compare the two. Because the prophet's primary concern is to reveal the mind of Christ and to bring prophetic revelation, whether through teaching, visions, dreams, angels, gift of prophecy, tongues interpretation, to bring, release revelation that builds up the body, but that also gives us directives and gives us a perspective of how we should align with God, what God is doing in that hour. Mm -hmm. The evangelist's primary concern, even though they may call 10 people out the audience and give them a word, is ultimately to bring people either to the place of deliverance or to bring them to the place of salvation. Hmm. And so there's been people that have 
been labeled as prophets that really were evangelists. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. Because even what an evangelist prophesies about is different than the... So a prophet may prophesy about anything, governments, states, nations. Mm -hmm. They may go into your life, tell you about your destiny, your purpose. Yeah. You know, evangelists, they may have a gift of prophecy, but normally the range of it and the frequency of them prophesying is not as great as the actual prophet. Yeah, so it wouldn't so be like a prophet to the nations kind of a thing. It would be more isolated to individuals, or it could even be for the, the church that maybe they're they're at or a group of people, but it's never like global. Is that what you're saying? I don't want to say never. It can be. Because I do know some evangelists that God gave them words for a nation. Mm -hmm. But most of the time when they got words for the nation, you know what happened? You know, I think about Tommy Hicks went down to Argentina in the 50s, I believe. And he, and he, he didn't know anybody. God told him to go to Argentina. He ended up meeting with the president. Gave the president a word and they opened up a crusade. But the purpose of that word was to bring in, open, the, touch the president's hearts so that people could be saved. And so it does happen, but that's not really how they're flowing and going and moving. You know, so I mm. remember one of my spiritual daughters, when we ordained her, I told her years ago in the word of the Lord, there will be many that will come and say that you are a prophet. But the Lord says, stay with your ministry of evangelism because he's called you as evangelist. Because people that don't know the difference will see her giving prophetic words or word of knowledge or doing deliverance. They're like, well, you got to be a prophet. And no, she's an evangelist that has prophetic grace or prophetic mm. gifting. And so it's important that we understand the difference. Also how the person's heart is driven. Normally evangelism, when people don't, don't know the Lord, when people are unsaved, their heart breaks for those people. They're interceding for those people. They're praying for those people's, people. Prophets too, but a lot of times prophets are praying about burdens that the Lord drops on them that may deal with social justice or government or media you know it's just a little different and so sometimes yeah. there's a fine line when you have a evangelist that's very prophetic that you have to pray and ask the holy spirit to help you discern hmm. yeah well in regards to kind of going back uh, a little bit how prophets or i'm sorry evangelists operate in words of knowledge they operate in uh signs and wonders um is i feel like even with like you know, my generation, a lot of, a lot of my friends, even from missions that were in missions and we saw crazy stuff and God moved in huge ways. Even they, a lot of them have, uh, have walked away from the Lord and some of them are atheists now or agnostic, which is, it's crazy. But at the same time, I can look at it and see an absence of embracing that type of thing where if God moves, if he really moves, you can't control it. Right. So you can't sit there and be like, okay, we're out and we're out in 35. Everybody get your coffee. I'm going to give a little quick message and let you get on your way. Um, but if we allow God to really move, you can't control that. And I think there's this thing, especially in the West where, and especially in my generation where it's like, you're trying to make sense of stuff. And so it's almost like science and logic have become a God. Um, yeah. And, uh, and as a result, you have a church that's not, not the whole church, obviously, but there are large portions of the church that do not embrace the gifts at all. As a matter of fact, they, they frustrate them. Um, and as a result, we're seeing these people that may have been on the fence where all they needed was to see God move. And maybe he wanted to move in that situation, but it wasn't encouraged. And so um, I, I just, I feel like it's so essential now for us to, to really pursue this gifts and, and, and signs and wonders and seeing those things manifest. Um, and at least if anything, allow God the freedom to do that if he so pleases. And I think that yeah. uh, like, that's a big problem right now, even within a lot of evangelists is I feel like evangelists always tend to, to go in that direction of signs and wonders. And, uh, but they might even be operating in a church 
that doesn't encourage that type of that type of thing you know what i'm saying so i i love what you just shared and i hate what you just shared i hate the part about they fell away yeah and it could be because they were discouraged because they didn't fit in sure yeah you're like this guy that's went over and seen all this stuff and you know what god can do yeah or at least you know to some degree god can do something way greater and you've experienced it you've seen it and you got this fire and you're sitting around and you're placed in a box mm -hmm. and the temperatures turned down to 30 degrees and their fires just going out and going out mm -hmm. and then they 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 fell away and that's very sad that someone that was willing to put their life on hold to go overseas and be in somewhere where there's not a lot of comfort and comfortability and serve the lord and see god touch people's lives will fall away yeah i believe that is part of the reason that they were not aligned pro i'm not gonna say they were not aligned properly but if they're not embraced and we don't do the right things with them we we lose the harvest yeah for sure any of the gifts you know i've seen that with prophets that they were getting revelation they were i mean just powerful stuff and they went to their leaders and the leader said we don't do that here <laughs> that's not our thing here and after two or three churches saying that to you you feel like the the odd man out and so you, yeah, you don't feel definitely like the black sheep yeah the black sheep yes yes yeah. and you can either get into rebellion discouragement or you can keep pressing you know i remember one young man and i won't say his name but he, he's, he's going on to god now but he's not young now i mean he, he would be about 95 years old now but when he was young he was like 13, 14 15. Uh -huh. he was moving strong and prophetic he was at a baptist church in texas and his pastor said look i know this ministry that you have is from god god gave it to you but it just won't it won't be accepted it won't this is not the place for it but one day young man god's going to use you powerfully and you know i appreciated him sharing that because it's one thing for to say hey we, we don't do that here another thing for say you know we don't do that here but i want to encourage you just stay with god stick with god because one day god's going to use you powerfully at least give people that yeah. and i think some ministries don't even give people that they make people feel like they're anti-god or they're out of order for actually believing for what the bible says mm, yeah so what's the what's the like i guess like what would your advice be to uh, there's probably some ministry leaders i think sometimes there can be this kind of even this whether we're trying to have it be this way or not maybe there can even be just like a subtle intimidation of someone who's operating in that level yeah and you you know it's like i just know how the devil works and he can come in and he can tell you like you're not important this person's important they should be leading instead of you um what would be your advice to people who maybe have people that under like that their leader are uh more evangelistic uh, what would be your advice to them in terms of fostering a healthy environment well first I think that for a leadership standpoint, we have to recognize that we need every gift. Mm -hmm. And we have to recognize that this isn't something that man's trying to push on you. This is part of God's plan. Mm -hmm. God's plan is perfect. God's plan is unbroken. God's plan, plan has the best results. It's in the Bible. If you can find it in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, why would you reject it? Because it's only going to be for your betterment. And I believe a lot of pastors and leaders that we've seen even over mega ministries, mega churches have fell into debauchery and have, you know, we've seen them commit suicide, all of these things burn out, even though they had mega churches because they were doing it out of their own strength and out of their own charisma. Mm -hmm. And if we do it according to the word of the Lord, you want to carry all those weights and burdens. You want to, you know, some pastors are trying to do everything god's grace people that not only can do it and they can do some of these things better than you but they can do it to take a burden off of you and there's a benefit it's only a win-win for everyone when everyone is in position it is a win-win for everyone and you don't have to be threatened by an evangelist or a prophet or whoever because an evangelist doesn't want to pastor anyway 
They're not trying to take over your church. They're trying to bring people into the church. And then they're trying to move on somewhere else to add more people to the kingdom. And, you know, just today we're, we're doing this encounter. And I was telling a church, uh, a pastor at a church, I said, listen, I'm looking for ministries that will partner with us because I've already pastored. I don't want to pastor again. I don't have the grace to pastor. I'm not called to pastor again. People can come when they get saved. They can join your church or you can have some set up to, to filter them in. But I believe that we don't need to be intimidated. Hmm. And if you help people get to where they're supposed to get to in their own ministry, normally it only comes back in your favor. Just like when I talked about Shambach, how the small church say, you know what? Here's this big preacher coming to town. I can say, you know what? We're going to pray because we don't need another big preacher. We're just a small church trying to make it. And if he comes, people may leave us and go to him. But you know what? They said, let's help because it's for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And they grew from 35 to 600 people within months Yeah, because they understood that he's coming to do this and we can contribute mm -hmm. and we're all on the same team for God. So yeah. realize we're all on the same team and whatever God has called you to, God will secure you in that position. You don't have to be threatened or intimidated of anyone or any calling. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. Okay. Yeah. So lastly, DeMonte, obviously if there's anything else you want to share, you can too, but one thing that I wanted to kind of talk about, and you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but it can you have more than one? Because I've I've seen pastor evangelists, I've seen prophet evangelists. So because I'm kind of like kind of wanting to begin the the conversation, and then we can maybe even continue it into to uh, next week's final episode, which is how do you know? which one of these gifts you really are called like that's the, that's where your major grace is to operate in is an evangelist or a prophet or whatever but even with like an evangelist you can operate in multiple and i think maybe you could even if you were a prophet more you could also operate in evangelism it could be like 60 40 i don't yeah. know like how how that, that works you're a lot more familiar with this but is it I mean, I would imagine there's no real exact science to it, obviously, but you know, like, so an evangelist can operate in other, other giftings as well, but maybe they're primarily an evangelist or can you, have you seen something yeah. that are like 50, 50, where it's like 50% evangelist, 50% pastor. Yeah. I just want to hear your thoughts. So, so for me, typically if somebody's in more than one office, they're typically in complementary offices. So I'm going okay. to give an example. Yeah. No one starts off as an apostle. They have to be in one of the other four. Okay. Because it's a leader to leaders. You can't start off as a leader to leaders. You've never been a leader in any of that help. So we see even yeah. Paul. I mean, Paul's like, I, was, I mean, Peter, Paul, John, they're like the apostles of, you know, I mean, Paul wrote, wrote three fourths of the New Testament. I mean, Paul's like the guy. And, but he, he didn't start out as an apostle. He started out as a teacher. We know that from Antioch and we know that from his writings. He says that I'm a preacher, teacher, and apostle. So he functioned as a teacher and he moved into the apostolic office. Uh, now, far as I've seen evangelists that pastored, they really were evangelists, but they were pastoring the work. They were not in the office of a pastor because a pastor really, I don't want to say they're different than an evangelist, but they're like on the opposite spectrums almost. So I've seen evangelists that, you know, Benny Hinn had a church in Orlando for a while. Like I said, DePlantis had a church in New Orleans. He still does, mm -hmm. but he doesn't pastor. He had to turn it over because he's really an evangelist. Yeah. When I had a church and oversaw a church, I would tell people I'm not a pastor. They said, what you mean? You have a church, you have people. I said, no, I'm really a prophet that's pastoring. I was never mm -hmm. in the office of pastor. I was a prophet that pastored. Yeah. And so um there are people that do have multiple callings and giftings so the way that it works is this you're normally not called to two offices at one time god calls okay. you to one gift the second one the one that comes in second is normally your primary primary gift so if you're called as a teacher and an evangelist an evangelist you're called as a teacher. Let's say Lord called you in 2001, but then you called as an evangelist 2008. The one that comes later is going to be the primary gift. Hmm. Now, Kenneth Hagen fell, broke his elbow, 
He went into the hospital and while in the hospital, the Lord walked into the hospital, sat by the bed and said, I allowed you to fall and break your arm or break your, it was his leg or elbow. No, I think his leg, it was something like that or elbow. He said, because you've been putting your teaching ministry before your prophetic ministry and the prophetic ministry, I called you to that later. You need to put more emphasis on it. The teaching ministry was his foundation and built up his ministry. He become popular for it. Lord called him later as a prophet. And it wasn't being a prophet wasn't popular in his circles in the full gospel denomination and assemblies of God that wasn't as popular. But the Lord says, I want you to put that in the forefront. That one takes precedence. Continue to teach, continue to write books, continue to do all of your teaching, but realize your prophet's ministry, you've kind of downplayed. You need to put it in the forefront. Mm. So the one that the Lord calls you to second, he's he's called you to that second because that's for that season. And that time going forward, your primary ministry. Gotcha. And I will say this for me personally. He called me as a prophet first. I used to go into churches or even my own church. 30, 40, 50 people line up. I'm going to prophesy you. I'm going to prophesy over 50 people laying hands on them. I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> unless the Lord tells me. Mm -hmm. Now it began to shift. Lord said, call out those seven or eight right there. You know what happens normally? I don't care what they spaced out in the church. They're strategic key people for the church. It's a little different. So I'm not praying for all 100 people and giving them prophetic words. I did that as a prophet. I'm still a prophet, but my primary calling is an apostle. So I'm focusing more on strategy, leadership, these other things. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so that's how I would answer that question. Yeah, and then do you feel like there can also be a mis can kind of, sometimes there can be misunderstanding. So like, okay, say I'm an evangelist and I've got a heart for the lost and say, I really, really, there's a bunch of people Say I save a hundred people and I have such a heart for them. Um, it could could it just be that that's not automatically a default? I should then assume, okay, I'm a pastor now, unless you do feel that pull towards that. But sometimes there can be a mis misconception where you have a heart for discipleship, but it doesn't mean that you're a pastor. Does that make sense? So like it, hap I, it happens too many times. Hmm. Too I'm just thinking of one example from a decade ago. A woman of God contacted me and, uh, you know, and sh she said she was doing Bible studies and people were coming, people were getting saved. I got to, I got to start a church because people, they need a place, they need this and that. And, you know, the Lord told me she's an evangelist. She should really turn them over to a church mm. and go and win more souls. She pastored. The church ended. And, yeah. you know, it seemed like as well, there was always a struggle. You know, I know there's a struggle, there's warfare, there's challenge, there's obstacles, but there, uh, there is a place that after you do all of the warfare and that you just get into a, a smooth sailing and you still have warfare and challenges, but you can see a grace. It was always seemed like it was a struggle to pastor because she's not a pastor. She was an evangelist and she still is an evangelist. She doesn't use that title. She doesn't function as that or go by that, but that's really where her strength is at. And I don't think mm -hmm. she's moved into it. And you look at, I've seen several people because they were powerful evangelists. They could draw a crowd and they began to pastor people. And those pastors were miserable. They got tired. They got wore out because they never were supposed to be pastoring. Maybe they were supposed to pastor for six months or a year to raise up a pastor. Mm -hmm. And they stayed in the eight or nine years. And that was not yeah. their calling. Yeah. Billy Graham, you know, Billy Graham, not mm -hmm. only pastored, he, he was the head of a Bible college. And the Lord said, this is, you know, I allowed you to do this, but it's time for you to do what I really called you to do. Just winning souls. Winning souls. And he did yeah. a heck of a job doing it. No Jesus kidding. Yep. No kidding. Yeah. But I agree with you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I think too, it just kind of goes to that. Like, I know for myself too, I think that there's like this, um, well, I'll use a really kind of a non- five-fold example but i feel like it illustrates kind of my point which is like i'm not i'm not the most administrative person demonte um making powerpoints and spreadsheets and and like that's my idea of hell like that it's like like you know how do we get jeff to suffer okay we're gonna tie him to a chair and we're gonna make him do uh you know spreadsheets and uh, excel stuff um just not my thing um and when I was in missions and we would do like do our own teams, right. We would, um, we would, 
you know, you would lead your team. So I was going to lead a team to China and we were going to start in China and we we're going to end in Thailand. And I, it was a big team. It was like 26 people total. So I had three co-leaders under me. Um, and I felt like I had to prove to everybody that I could be administrative, that I was going to do this budget and I was going to do all this stuff. And it was like, I kind of worked in my head, like this time I'm going to prove my worth to people. I have determined that it's proving my worth to people is showing people that I can be administrative. And man, I would sit there. So it was like three month period before we went on our, our trip. And I would sit there and I was dating my, my wife, Lauren at the time. And we would talk every night and I'd have my like head in my knees and I'd be talking to her and be like, Oh, I can't, this is so hard. I need to do it though. And so finally it was like, a week and a half before we're supposed to go and we needed to submit the budget and the budget wasn't even close to being done. And God was very firm with me. And he said, you need to give this to my coworker or my co uh, leader, Luke, who is very administrative. He's like, you need to give it to Luke. And I was like, Oh, and so I did. And my friend Luke was like, yeah, absolutely. I love it. I'll do it. And brought the budget back the next morning. And he, I was like, is that easy? He's like, yeah, I really like this. And what that honestly, that lesson that taught me was don't sit there and work out. It was a, it was a very valuable tool in delegation and learning to also let other people embracing other people's strengths. And I feel like that illustration plays into this fivefold ministry thing, because I think sometimes we can work out. I got to be the guy. I got to do it all. I have to be this. I have to be that. I have to be this rather than humbling yourself and allowing and embracing someone else's gift actually is going to help and that the amount of wind it puts in the sails is insane like when when i delegated that responsibility of doing the budget to my friend luke it it was a snowball effect of like what else can i give away Who, what wow. what's this person good at what person is this good at and it was like the freedom that came from that it allowed me to operate better in the role that i was in because i had other people supporting the whole thing as well so I think the same goes for giftings being like, no, 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 I'm a prophet. I'm a prophet. I'm a prophet. I'm a prophet. Man, you're a pastor. Like that's actually where you're called to be. And you've romanticized in your head. No, I'm a prophet because so-and-so was a prophet. I really value them. And that's going to determine my value if I operate in this. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's something you hit on that I'm seeing on a ton of people out of position because they feel like I can show that I have more worth if I say I'm an apostle and I don't have yeah, the goods. Man. I can show that I have more worth if I can say I have a building in the church, even though they're getting tore up, tore up, they're getting beat up yeah. in the spirit, yeah. and they're miserable, and they're always. I I have a list of people right now. Good people, yeah, love the Lord, but they're in. They're not in it. They're using titles or think they're in offices. That they're not, and they're going through all this warfare and all this heartache, and they're not pro- really prospering. And I want to tell them so bad. This is why, because you're not aligned properly. So you have this warfare. Not only do you have warfare, you don't have the grace from God because you're in the wrong ministry. Yeah. You don't have the fullness of the grace of God that you need. And so it's yeah. very sad to see, but some people, it goes down to identity. This is a whole nother teaching, but that was a powerful point that you hit. You know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I just think it's so important. I think just to, to allow, like your worth is going to be determined by, you know, who you are in God, not in what you do. And I think that, yeah, we've, we've kind of, you know, we work in our brain. Oh, this is more glamorous over here. And I think that, I think I would be better at that. So yeah. All right, DeMonte. Well, um, unless you have anything else to share, I'd love for you to just like pray for people, close it out. I think this has been a really great episode. Um, and we love you evangelists out there. Keep doing what you're doing. We, we, we believe in you. We bless you. (laughs) You know, it's just, uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful gift. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, Well, father, we thank you for each and every person that's tuning in that's listening. Lord, we pray that you would stir them up for soul winning, especially as we enter into this season of the holidays where people, many have dealt dealt with discouragement and grief and loss and confusion. Lord, even now, let there be a fire for soul winning that stirs in our hearts, oh God. And let those evangelists that are discouraged because they have not been properly utilized and activated, 
Let them, God, receive a fresh wind of your spirit and let them receive directions and instructions on what to do next, that their gift and their calling may be maximized for this such a time as this. We just bless your people with safety and divine protection in Jesus' yes. mighty name. Amen. Amen. DeMonte, how can people follow you in all of your adventures? <laughs> uh, on Instagram, DeMonte TV. On Facebook, De DeMonte TV as well. And then you see the website that's on the page. So check me out, follow me. And thank you so much, Jeff and Elijah Fire team for having me on. Absolutely, man. Thank you, DeMonte. Thank you so yeah. much. Have a blessed day. Yeah. All right, everybody. That is our show. There's a donation link at the end, ElijahFire.com slash donate. All donations go towards keeping this free. Um, and then also the, the rest of it goes towards the efforts that we're doing out uh, digging wells in Uganda and also getting ready to do stuff stateside as well. Exciting times, everybody. Have an amazing, amazing day and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today.